Hello people, welcome to episode 33 of the When in Yorkshire podcast. Now this is a special one, it's the first episode recorded in front of a live audience which was done at the podcast social club in Thirsk. Um, My guest is Luke Raven from Ilkley Brewery and we chatted all things beer. Um, It was a great uh, chat for me and a real education into the world of brewing and I got to taste some of the brewery's beers which... I can honestly say were all very, very tasty. However, I have discovered one of my new favourite beers, which is their uh, American pale ale called Hendrix. Um, Luke gives us a nice insight into that um, and, a, and a bit of history on it. Now, once you've listened to myself and Luke have a chat about his history with beer and brewing, not just in Ilkley, but all over the world, then why not get along to the Ilkley Brewery on the 6th of December for their winter social event where they have uh, 20 of their beers on offer to sample. Tickets for this start from £5 and they include a beer and they go up to around £15 which can include food and again beer. Um, I'm going to be really excited for that. I'm going to get along to that one. Do check out um, www.ilkleybrewery.co.uk Um, grab your tickets and hopefully I'll see some people there. Now this is a longer episode so I'm going to stop talking shortly and let you enjoy that. We do discuss some of the beers there and a description for each one I've included within the episode notes if you want to join in and taste along. Um, So yeah here is episode 33 recorded live at the podcast social club in Thirsk with Luke Raven of the Ilkley Brewery. Oh, so hello people, welcome to the When in Yorkshire podcast. Uh, my name's Lucio and this is Luke. Hello. Luke has come from the uh, Ilkley Brewery. We've got a lovely sign behind us in case you forget and we've got some delicious beers to, to give you an insight into um, over the next hour. Um, what I like to do on these podcasts is to really get to sort of the, the, the real background of where these people come from, how they get into their chosen field. Um, and most of the people I speak to have some form of creative outlet and are effectively living someone's dream. Um, you, you may not know it, but you, you genuinely are probably living one of, one of my many, many dreams. Um, so I kind of want to understand where did I go wrong and uh, how, did, uh, how did Luke steal my life? So, um, as as we go through, if anybody has any questions, we will be tasting. We will be tasting the beers. Please shout up. You don't have to be silent. Um, we can see you. Let's not pretend you're not there. So yeah, do shout up. And we have a mic if anybody wants to be uh, heard in more clarity. It's here and it's not scary. So. Uh, Luke, thank you very much for joining. Ah, uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, for powering the uh, podcast social club. Um, so let's start from the very very beginning. Your first experience of beer. Oh, my first experience of beer. All the way back. And we're and we're we're pre watershed. So uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, kind of, I suppose, like like lots of people, it was probably just before kind of college, get, getting you know there was that pub that you could get into. Um, probably like a lot of beer drinkers and, and, and younger drinkers, perhaps, you know, I started on cider, did that whole thing, didn't really like the, the bitterness of beer. Oh, absolutely, in a park. White line, yeah. Uh, got, to, got, to, got to be done. And didn't really like the, you know, the bitter flavour of beer. Um, and graduated through to, uh, to, to lager, um, mm-hmm. started drinking lager. And, but I remember very, very clearly what I felt at the time was my first pint of proper beer. Um, 
and uh, and pint at Timmy Taylor's landlord, um, and it's that was the kind of the start for me of going okay, well there's because I think a lot of lagers taste similar, yeah, so there's oh, differences, yeah. but taste similar to each other. This was the first that was the first time for me I was thinking oh, actually that tasted really different, and so what's that all about? Life beyond lager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. So in terms of you deciding that there's a, a future for you in beer. How did that, how did that kind of develop from that, that sort of awakening with Timmy Taylor's to thinking, you know what, I reckon I can do a better job than this. Well, it, it, or an equal job. It, was, it wasn't a very environmental friendly journey. Um, it took in a lot of uh, air miles for me to, to have that light bulb moment um, from, from that pint at Timmy Taylor's. Because, you know, I, 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 I drank beer, I drank a lot of other things. I, you know, I, I worked in hospitality, so I, I set up a bar in 2002. Okay. And, but honestly, it was the other drinks. Beer was, was very much the add-on to that. You know, it was, I was into rum and into different spirits and cocktails. And that was kind of where my interest and passion was really. And beer was something that I drank every day probably, but didn't really think about it. It was, it was very much something that, that was just there. Um, and it, it took um, a trip to, or it took moving to Australia for me oh, wow. to really... Certainly, where my beer career started, but for me to really start thinking that that would be a possibility. Okay, what what happened in Australia? How? Well, so that doesn't, that doesn't, I, other than other than like Fosters, I can't think of another big, big. It's exactly life changing. It's, it's, it's exactly because of that uh, that stereotype about about Australian beer. I'd been to Australia um, many years before and only came up against 4X and yeah. Fosters and, and, and those sorts of beers. And so never really had much of an opinion, a good, good opinion on, on, on Australian drinking culture. Um, and I, uh, we sold all our belongings and uh, my then fiancé, we got married in Australia. We, we decided to move to Australia um, and, and kind of start a new, start right. afresh. And didn't have any real plan. We were partly funding it by I was going to do some writing. And... I thought I imagined I'd write about wine and, and the cocktail scene and so on in Australia because that would, you know, and then see from there. And when we landed in the first two days, I must have seen about six breweries on oh, almost wow. every street corner. And I was really surprised. I was like, well, what's this about? This is completely different to my expectations yeah. of, of, of beer. And they were brewing really interesting beers, lots of IPAs, really, really hoppy beers. And I was like, right, well, there we go. That's, yeah. the, first, that's the first thing I'll write about because if I was surprised by that, people who read the magazine um, that I was going to write for should be surprised by that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you land in Australia, you've taken in all of these different beers, and then what, is, there, is there one that you still remember as being a kind of like a, a lightning moment? Yep, there was, um, there was a little uh, micropub called The Monk in Fremantle on the west coast of Australia. And, uh, and, and they just, they, they brewed all their own beer, they served it alongside food, but all the dishes had beer ingredients in and it was it was very kind of archetypal Australian hospitality it was just they were so laid back so friendly <laughs> and it was here actually my wife and I ended up working there afterwards so we'd oh. been going around and meeting all these different brewers as part of this uh, part of me writing this article and then every single one was hey come on in hey do you want a beer hey do you want to stay for a bit and help me with a brick they were just so friendly and open and when I first kind of put that down to was Australian hospitality yeah yeah soon realized that actually this was an industry thing this was a an extra level of openness and friendliness and it was just really 
nice and really really fun and we were like well we want a part of that so I put down the pen and got a job we both got a job at, at this brewery they said we've got a beer school we will teach you how to make beer <laughs> that's the best school yeah, yeah 100% <laughs> um, it was actually one of the best jobs ever because it was it was summer in in, uh, in Australia at the time it was on the west coast so it was kind of 40-50 degrees it was very very hot mm-hmm. and because part of the brewery was outside and the, the, the restaurant was outside they had a rule that you couldn't work more than three hours in a row. And I'd, my hospitality background was kind of working 80 hour yeah, weeks. Yeah. And all no of a sudden breaks. you weren't, you know, you had to work three hours and then you had to have a couple of hours off. Um, and so you just, you had the whole day to yourself really. Yeah. And with a bit of work, which was fun anyway, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. But the, but the other thing in terms of the light bulb for me was that I was never, uh, never scientific, never, mm. I was always more interested in arts and, and stuff and science for me, I just didn't get it. Um, and, my first day of beer school, uh, and the, the brewer literally got a whiteboard and a pen, and he started drawing what I recognised roughly as kind of molecules and this. And I, my heart sank. I was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh no!" But then he explained it, and I think the seeing the the end product, it just it instantly made sense. You know, it's got a great ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I could, I could see the well, we turn sugars into this, and then this, and this happens, and then beer comes out. And I was like, oh, if my teachers had just said that, yeah. <laughs> I'd have, like, that would have been great. But, but they didn't. They were really boring. And, and it was just, it was a light, yeah, a real light bulb moment for me because I was interested in it. And, I, and the whole idea that I could be interested in something that I you know, didn't like before yeah. um, was just fascinating. Um, and it was, it was, that was really kind of the start of a journey. And I, and I do think that whether it's beer or food or, or, or any, any sort of interest, but particularly beer, obviously, I think it's about the journey and it's about finding the different stops along the road and, 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 and always moving, really. You know, it's, it's never settling on, 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 the, on the same thing or the same beer. Yeah, excellent. So, so you're in Australia. How, how did you bring that back to the UK and, what, and why? Because at the moment, that, that's the dream. You're in the sun, three hours then a whole yeah. load of breaks. You're yeah. making beer. What happened? Yeah, actually, why, why are now you Now I come to talk about it. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm really not sure. Um, My well, feet are, are wet because of the rain here. You, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm puzzled. Well, well, we came back to, to start a family and be close to our family. But when we did come back, we said, okay, if we're going to... We, we lived in Leeds um, previously, mm-hmm. but we said, if we're going to go back to the UK and away from this very nice lifestyle that we had over there... It's got to be the bits that we miss and none of the bits that we don't miss. Mm-hmm. It's got to be green and pleasant. We've got to be not in town. We've got to be out in the dales. We've got to, let's see if we can make beer work as a, as, as a, as a career to work in. And we came back and it was February and our tenants <laughs> moved out of one of our houses. So we ended up moving into a pretty kind of rough, back into a kind of a bit of a rough estate in February uh, and couldn't get a job. It was, what had it been, 2010, so... There just weren't any jobs going. No. Um, Economy's at an all-time high. We, we gave ourselves six months before we'd go back. If we hadn't started a family, mm-hmm. moved into the Dales and started working in beer. And we were about five and a half months in, looking at flights. We told our family that it hadn't worked yeah. out, we were going to go back. And uh, in the space of two weeks, got a job at Ilkley Brewery, found a little cottage up, in, uh, up in, in, on the border of North Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, and got pregnant the day we moved in. 
or found out we were pregnant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, 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 so we ticked all those boxes and obviously they were all, those were all three brilliant things, yeah. but we all, and we still talk about it now. We were a bit like, Oh great. We've achieved the things we wanted to achieve because we were kind of in our heads already going. Yeah. Back. You, you were sunbathing um, again, but, but, but it, it, it was actually, it was going to, it was a chance thing. We'd been looking, I'd been looking for beer work couldn't get any mm-hmm. was starting to think about would I have to go back to university and study again and do that and I was prepared to do that and then we walked past a pub in Leeds where there was a meet the brewer and it was an Ilkley brewery meet the brewer we were looking at houses in Ilkley and we're like oh that's that's weird let's go in there and as soon as they started talking about beer we were both it really reaffirmed that yeah we are doing the right thing beer is the right thing and so I went and spoke to them the guys afterwards because at the time Ilkley Brewer had just been set up and there was just kind of a couple of guys involved and so I just went and spoke to them after and said, hi, guys, my name's Luke. I'm going to come and work for you. Um, uh, and, you know, this is going to be great. And they said, well, that's lovely, but we're not hiring. There's, you know, there's just a couple of us. I said, no, that's fine. You don't need to be hiring, but you're going to hire. <laughs> I've listened to your story. Yeah. You're clearly making, you're making nice beers. You're going to hire at some point. So that's me. Uh, I'll get a part-time job in a pub around the corner. And I'll sell your beer until... You, until you, I make you, you until, until, until I'm, and make you make you enough to justify paying me, and they, I don't think really knew what to say, um, <laughs> so uh, just kind of went okay. I, you know, there's no risk to them. Um, and two weeks later, I started working full time because I was, I, was, I was selling them beer. So, um, so it was it was just and and from then it's been a continued journey in it in yeah. it's every day. But it's it's yeah it's it was a, a fun start. Absolutely, that's amazing. I guess I guess the. Just your, your nature to go and you know what you want. You're clearly driven to that, and uh, having the having the guts to just go and put yourself out there has really paid off. I think I, I've always been a believer that you put yourself in a position to take an opportunity. Mm. Um, sometimes the opportunity doesn't come. You know, you never you've never lost that from that experience. It doesn't always work out. And we went to Australia to see if the right opportunity would present itself. And actually, we turned down a couple of things where we could have gone and lived in a wildlife park and we could have done all sorts of kind of things that we got offered and just weren't the right time so so you know we 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 moved on but and also leaving in the first place was a pretty big deal I ran a business we both owned houses people were saying oh you know you're giving up your career you've 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 got this business and stuff and I said well I'm risk in the first place but I'm not losing any of the skills or the experience I'm you know I it's not like I go and do something else and then I, I I can't do any of those things again um, I figured, well, that's just, it's just a, little, a new experience really. And that's, that's how I kind of approach business now is, mm. is looking for opportunities and making sure they're the right ones and not just taking them because it works or it's okay or it pays a bill going, okay, well, what's, what are we going to enjoy as a business? What's going to make the staff happy? What's going to make us happy? What's going to be, allow us to be creative. And yeah, yeah I, I just, if you can, um, it's, it's a nice way to, 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 to live and work. Absolutely. So in terms of when you, from when you first became involved uh, in, in the beer industry, how much has it changed over this time? Oh, massively. Um, it's still very much that, uh, that, that thing that I'd, I'd picked up on early days in Australia of being very inclusive, very friendly. Um, that's still very much there. And it's really nice, I think, compared to other industries where there's, a, there's more competition and it's more... Uh, not cutthroat, but the, the, it's more guarded and secrets, and you yeah. wouldn't necessarily collaborate with other businesses. Um, 
the brewing industry is not like that. Everyone knows each other. We get on. We drink together. But we also brew together. And if mm. we need to brew something and we're missing a bag of malt, well, there's about six or seven breweries nearby that we'll just ring up and say, can I borrow a bag of malt? And they say, <laughs> yes, invariably. Or, you know, we, we lend each other stuff. We, we, we do things together and we brew beers together. And that's, we all learn from that. Yeah. Because I think we all realize that. Ultimately, we make a product that is designed to make people happy. It's, you know, it's not a functional product. It's, a, it's an emotive product. And so it's, it's got to be fun. And brewing is fun. And so we all learn off each other. We all do things differently. Um, and that's just part of the, the rich tapestry of beer that we can all progress. As long as people, more people are drinking beer, we will all do better. So it's not necessarily one or the other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm seeing that more and more. There seems to be more and more collaborations between breweries and, and they become real events. Mm. Um, I, you know, there's, I see that um, Northern Monk seem to be doing quite a lot at the moment. I've seen the Oakley Brewery doing a lot. And We're doing one with Northern Monk quite, uh, you, coming oh, up soon. Yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I look forward to that. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, uh, it, and it's probably a bit of a cross um, uh, sort of linking, but it's it's kind of like, you see it with musicians all of the time. You get Ed Sheeran's constantly just writing for everybody. So that's kind of the same thing. That's how I'm seeing it, that you're well, kind of... I actually, yeah, and I see quite a lot of um, similarities between the beer industry and the music industry. In particular, how we as producers interact with our consumers, mm -hmm. uh, for want of a better, better, better word. Um, people who uh, are into a particular band have generally a loyalty to that band when there's a new song released mm. i mean it used to be you'd go and buy the album i suppose but maybe that doesn't happen quite as much now but Streaming. but you but you you, <laughs> you know you you look out for for new releases you trust that they you will like them because you liked the the, 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 other, the, the back catalog and, and so there's the loyalty there you go to the gigs you buy the tickets you buy the merchandise um, but you'll also, that'll then, and especially now with things like Spotify, it'll suggest you things you might like because you like this. And so your, your experience kind of broadens as a result of that, but you've always still got that loyalty in the back mm -hmm. of your head. Um, and that's one of the things, music people, you know, you mentioned Ed Sheeran, yeah, you know, he'll, what I think is good for him is that he collaborates with people outside of the comfort zone and, you know, with, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with Stormzy or someone like that that brings in... Stormzy's fans to his music, his fans yeah. to Stormzy's music, it's a win-win. And for us, as a beer industry, collaborating does exactly that. You know, exactly. You're looking at collaborating with someone from a different country or a different region that sells your beer in there. Mm. Um, and, and that's just a really nice thing. And, and brewers have that similar sort of thing with loyalty. You know, if you know, if you like Ilkley beer you, and you, know, you see a new release, you're more likely to try it than a different new release because you've got that kind of uh, trust already built up yeah. um, and, and that loyalty it doesn't mean that you're only going to listen to that no, same album for the not. rest of your life but it means that you know that you've got a fallback there and you and every time you do drink it or listen to my son put on there uh, asked Alexa for Wonderwall today this nice. morning completely out <laughs> of the blue I don't know where he'd heard it before he's only six um there was a big part of it. I was like that was my era I was so like proud. oh that's, I was so, I was so proud, proud. Yeah. but also I realized I hadn't heard it in ages yeah and it's still a really good song. And it used to be you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it. But yeah. it's been, and, it, and it's a lot like that, I think, with beer. You know, when I go back to my Timmy Taylors now, my palate's changed immeasurably over the last sort of 10 years. I don't drink beers like that as often as, mm -hmm. as part of my kind of day-to-day -day routine or, my, or as part of my job. But it still evokes the memory. It's still, it's still, it hasn't changed. It's still a really good beer. And for me, it's the perfect go for a walk. And maybe on a day like this, in fact, yeah. go for a walk, have a pint in a pub, pint, got to be a pint of landlord. And 
it's a similar sort of thing with music. It has that evocative kind of memory attachment to it as well. Absolutely. And I, th I think for, for me, uh, I, I've got two kids as well. And just going, the opportunity to go out is so rare that when I see a beer, I, I'm, all, I'm almost like, well, I've probably got five beers that I can have. And I know I like that one. And there's a big risk on all of these others. So when there's a collaboration, it's like, oh, I'm in safe hands here. I can try something new, but I've got something that I already trust. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's brilliant for me. So if you could really encourage that, that would be yep. great for no the, uh, the four outings that I get a year. Um, so in in terms of the the attitudes to drinking as well that's as a um as, as a consumer it that's changed massively um since you know since my teen years when it was majoritively lager that were, that was mm -hmm. there and uh, bitter was kind of a bit of a, a an unknown land for me and was, was probably a bit too rich um and the, the, the kind of the attitudes towards drinking were, were totally different from, from what I can see now. There's a lot more, op there's a lot more um, options. There's a lot more different tastes. And it seems to have moved from kind of alcohol to taste. Um, yeah. is, that, is that kind of something that's become more on the consciousness of brewers? Yes, um, yeah, very much so. I mean, I think a lot of people in the drinks industry have always... Put, put that forward not necessarily the bigger brands perhaps mm. where it's about quantity yeah um, and, and resale but I, th I think um in the in the various different drinks markets independent markets it's 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 100 about the experience about the taste um rather than you know we say drink for pleasure not for effect mm. um and there has been a big change towards that i remember when a couple of years after i'd got involved in in brewing and one of my friends said to me he said yeah but it's just a fad, isn't it? You know, it's gonna, it's a bubble, it's gonna burst. And, you know, and I said, well, if you think back 20 years ago, there wasn't that acceptance of wine. Wine was still very much, it's quite elitist. It was, you know, oh, look at her, she's got a bottle of wine in her basket. You know, it was, it was a it relative, it was less usual. Yeah. Whereas now, Everyone's got a bottle of wine at home. They've got a certain amount of knowledge, whether it's about white wine and fish or red wine and steak or whether it's a bottle of Gallo or a bottle of Chateau de Pap. There's, the, 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 there's a level that people find, and it, but it's completely normal and people are very comfortable with that. And there's, as that's grown, people understand the difference between a Shiraz and a Sauvignon and, and all these different, yeah. different grape varieties and so on. And that's very much the direction I see beer going in, that, that, that what starts as lager or bitter... And then there's categories within that. Oh, there's, you could have a Pilsner or you could have a different, you know, you could have a uh, Kolsch, you know, different types of lager. Or then in, in ale, there's IPAs, there's pale ales. There's, there's so many different beers and people are starting to see that. I, I don't know whether or not everybody will be comfortable naming hops, you know, whether that'll be a no. thing. Um, you know, there, 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 there are some more famous than others, but whether or not that's actually just within the kind of the beer geekery world, I don't know. But, but, it, but certainly <laughs> yes. you go into a supermarket. Clear and, answer but, but you go into a supermarket now and there's an aisle of beer. Yes, true. Um, and, you know, that's it's very exciting. How far will that go? I certainly go into a, a supermarket or a shop and I look around and I, and I think, how do I make a choice? I'm, yeah. And I'm quite pretty well informed about the industry and know stuff. And this is a big, a lot of, a lot of choice for people to make. So, uh, so, so I know that that preys on our minds a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you stand out in a crowded marketplace? Um, we're sitting right now. Oh, we're actually, we're in North Yorkshire now, aren't yep. we? So, so we're, we're sitting really <laughs> close to the epicenter of beer in the world. 
Okay. Right. So there, so there were more breweries <laughs> per head in West Yorkshire than there are um, anywhere else in the world. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Why, Central why is Brewing. that? Why? Uh, I think I, I think there's two reasons. One is we have fantastic water. Um, that doesn't mean that other waters are available, you know. But um, uh, <laughs> but but it's particularly good for brewing. Um, if you're brewing elsewhere, you might. Uh, you'll adjust the water depending on 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 its on its alkaline or or, or whatever. So on its pH. So so we're we're very lucky that we have um, water that is that is fantastic for brewing uh, with Yorkshire water. But the other thing I, I think, I mean, you've probably guessed from from my accent. I'm not a born and bred Yorkshireman. I've been here longer than I've not been here. Uh, long enough to not be considered southern by anyone I know from the south, <laughs> but I know I'll never be accepted as a Yorkshireman up here. But but very much it's, it's my home, and I, and I think that. My kind of take on Yorkshire is that it's it's about it's a place that's about enjoyment and taking it easy. It's 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 pretty relaxed, and that's perfect for beer because <laughs> it is it's not a, it's not a, a high necessarily a high octane kind of high ABV type thing. It's something that yeah. is just designed to just make you happy and be nice and be and it's so different. Um, you know, it's got such a broad broad range and so it's it's the kind of perfect fit really in a lot of ways i think for yorkshire great yeah um it, it's it seems to be a big i mean again I, i'm i'm originally from hertfordshire but i lived here again much longer than i've not lived here um and my grandparents are from stockport and it's it, i've never seen my grandma ever in all my life without either a can of lager or a cup of tea at, at any point of the day and that's genuinely true. Excellent. And she, she, I was chatting to her about about this podcast, and she went up and, and pulled up a photo of my very first experience of beer, which uh, I was nine. And there's a photo of me on a sun lounger in, uh, I think, in Marbella, uh, with a bottle of San Miguel. And that that was my that was my first experience. Five percent as well. What was that about? <laughs> so, that, um, but. It, and, and the kind of the attitude towards towards drinking and, and alcohol within within my family and certainly from her side w- was very much it's a cultural thing it's not a binge thing I was allowed that bottle and I probably wasn't allowed another bottle for you know a week which is still too much but it was kind of yeah here you go enjoy the taste you know it's cold it's really hot out here enjoy the cold and uh, and yeah like sort of savor the taste. Um, and I think that's that seems to have developed more and more with the with the sort of the various tastes that are available. Um, but one thing I wanted to to bring up whilst I've got you in terms of branding, and we're going to have a look at the, the beers that you you've got here. Um, one thing that stands out for me is to that that convinces me to buy a specific beer. It is really nice, but I do agree when you go to the supermarkets. There's so much choice now, like you know, Asda, Morrison's, and all the rest of it. There's there's so many, and it, you know, I, it's it's a tough choice. It genuinely is. I don't have that much money to spend on beer, um, and I can spend way too much time ruminating and deciding to the you know the the, the annoyance of the rest of my family. Um, but I have I'm a big fan of Robinsons, specifically Trooper. Um, I like Iron Maiden, and that beer is absolutely delicious. And they've just struck gold with me. Mm-hmm. I like collecting things. Now, their bottle tops for... I've got one here. You can't see it, but I will describe it. Um, they've now decided... They used to have Eddie, who's their character. For anybody who's not aware of Iron Maiden, they have a specific character that's on all of their um, 
all of their albums, and they've now recreating all of their albums on their bottle tops. So I'm now going to collect these, uh, and they've released over 20 albums. So they, they've got me for quite a while, and I will be going into many shops looking for the next one that I haven't got. And I don't mind if I get swaps because my dad's also doing the same thing. So we can, uh, <laughs> I can if I can only find killers. They're from 1981, and he's got a whole load that I want. I'm going to keep buying Killers. That's exactly what I was saying about the, the loyalty of the buying the album, getting, yeah. the, getting all the merch, and that's, you know, I want a piece of that. Absolutely. Um, it's genius. I, I wonder if they'll, you know, in terms of collecting their bottle caps, yeah. the interesting one for them is that the, uh, the, the figure on the front of Trooper, the, the, the skeleton yeah, yeah, through yeah. him, uh, they had to completely change the label in Sweden because Swedish oh, really? uh, alcohol laws state that you can't have anything that glorifies war. In the, oh yeah, in yeah, and, and so it cannot, it can't be, like it, 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 it can't be uh, aggressive is one thing, but if it's and obviously this, he was a specifically a, a soldier, yeah, wearing, yeah. wearing the red red coat, so they had to completely change that, and yeah. there, there was a real, from what I've read, there was a real kind of internal debate about. Well, here's something that's not been changed for many, many years yeah, yeah. from my maiden's kind of point of view. We can't change it just for this, but. It's not going to supply but, but we are the whole sell country. Millions of bottles o- over there, and it's the, I think it's the biggest bottle of ale in Sweden. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's a fantastic marketing job that they've it done. Is, and it and is. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I await the call from various other rock, rock bands. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, who, who want to do a similar thing? If, uh, if, if, if anyone, if anyone here knows, absolutely. Get, you know, Kaiser Chiefs, Pigeon Detectives. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Cribs. Get any of them. Um, so let's have a look at some of the beers that you've got. Um, we've spoken about the identity, um, and that, that's a, that seems to be a real unique thing amongst amongst beer. Is mm. that the brewery will form its own identity, whether be it on location or theme or anything along those lines, um, and, and and everything will will fit the brand. So how do you how do you come up with these names? Well, so. Ilkley Brewery, when it was founded, it was a couple of guys making some beer for a couple of local pubs. And as such, the beers were called Ilkley Best, Ilkley Gold, Ilkley Black. You, you kind of get the thing. They, they did what they said in the tin. Uh, the branding had the Cow and Calf Rocks, iconic um, rock formation if you're from Ilkley or, or thereabouts. Um, and as we started making more beer and selling more beer and going further afield, it became less that sort of a branding became less relevant. Um, it didn't resonate with people. People didn't really understand it or, or, or see what it was. Um, and having a, a, a kind of standard name didn't make you stand out in what was starting back, back then in 2009 to be, be, you know, started to be a bit more crowded marketplace. It certainly wouldn't work so, mm. so well now. Um, and quite early on, though, the one beer that sat outside that uh, for Oakley Brewery was Mary Jane. Um, it was the one of the first beers they brewed, named after the for the the Ilkley-Moor Bar Tap folk song that was a courting Mary Jane, and so they kind of had this name that they, they thought would be excellent, oh, would yeah, resonate yeah. with people locally certainly, um, and but more important than that, it won a gold medal in the first year that, that the brewery was open. Great marketing, of course, but it showed them they were doing something right. It was yeah. much better than the other beers they made, um, and that. DNA was then passed on through all of our different beers. But what really interested me when I, when I kind of joined just after they'd started and was started doing marketing and we looked at having a rebrand was, was that story that is the, is the thing that resonated with people. If we sent out a tweet saying, we're brewing a beer today, okay. But <laughs> if we say, oh, Mary Jane's wafting across the rooftops today, Mary Jane's out and about doing this, you know, the van, you know Mary Jane's doing... It's that... 
it's a link, it's a connection, and people... Yeah, it creates people, a picture. Yeah, people, people kind of, it resonated with people. Um, and so we started developing that with, with, with almost all of our beers, and we now have the, the extended Mary Jane family. We've got Joshua Jane, who we, we say was the, he was the person courting Mary Jane, um, and a bit of a nod to Joshua Tatley. Um, they uh, had a daughter, Ruby Jane, um, who's champion mild of, of, of Britain a few years back. Um, they've, there's Stout Mary... We've got now Virgin. We've now got Virgin Mary, uh, which we'll be drinking in a little bit, and and so the, the, and Merry Christmas. So, so <laughs> it's 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 an extended family, and again, yeah, yeah. it's people something that people can re- can kind of relate to and and know that there's a, it might be something new, but it's it's something safe as well. But but having having fun with the names. I mean, it's something that uh, that you asked me in in the green room before, uh, earlier on was about that. And actually, sometimes the name comes first. Um, there's definitely been times when when I've I've thought of a name, and I've gone to the brewery and be like, "You have to make one of these beers." <laughs> so two examples of that. And I, and I was also saying that it's a lot easier with with non-core beers, with with beers that are a one-off kind of thing, because a, a joke's the funniest the first time you say it. So um, so ordering it a, a, a novelty style beer or a novelty name beer is, is is part of the enjoyment perhaps of it, and you know it makes it stand out, um, particularly in a crowded marketplace. So yeah, I I I, I thought of uh, notorious fig. So I went to the brewer and said you need to brew a beer with fig. You need to brew a bit of fig beer, and we brewed a, a Belgian-style double um, with with that just for that name. Um, <laughs> when uh, when uh, when Donald Trump was was elected uh, a few years ago, um, I was out walking my dog the next day in in, in still utter shock. But uh, I was like, right, what can we? We need to. It's, this isn't going to last long. Let's see. He's always on Twitter. Let's see if we can't call him out and get get some traction from that. What can we? What can we do here? So, I mean, in, in, he's probably going to be impeached. Impeachment. Peach and mint. Right. <laughs> we're going to brew a peach and mint sour. Rang up the brewer. I've got this idea. We're going to do this. And, and actually, that's, we've been able to brew that a lot more times than, uh, than, than, I, than I expected <laughs> over a longer period of time. Um, but, but another one, and actually, it's the first beer that we're going to, um, that we're going to, that we're going to try today, uh, is, uh, is a beer called Hendrix. And it was, it was a story that we wanted to tell for quite a long time. And, mm-hmm. and we're kind of... Because Hen, uh, Jimi Hendrix has a link to Ilkley. And of course he does. Uh, and, <laughs> Obviously. And, and, and so it, and it, was a, and it was a great story. And so I was very much like, okay, how can we tell this story with beer? And, you know, it's a, obviously it's a recognisable name and it's mm. a name that resonates with, with, with most people for different reasons. But it was, a, it was a fantastic way for us to brew a style of beer that we liked, which is an American pale ale, um, and tell, tell a story. So we had to wait to get it right because it was last year was 50 years since he played a gig in Ilkley. So we waited until last year and uh, kind of had it all ready to go um, uh, and released it. But yeah, he, he, he'd, he'd been due to play a gig in Leeds. Um, I'm not sure where, actually. Um, and it got cancelled and he came out and played uh, at the what was then called the Troutbeck Hotel. It's now an old people's home uh, in Ilkley. Uh, and the legend has it that the police shut it down. Because <laughs> uh, it, because uh, it, there was just too many people. You know, they hadn't yeah, expected, yeah. hadn't expected the numbers. Bear in mind, obviously, you know, for those those that that, that don't know, Jimi Hendrix time in the spotlight was was very short yeah. really um and and it all kind of really kicked off when you know around the time he was he was he was in the uk um so for a very short time he was the hottest property around but at the same time there was lots of people who hadn't heard of him so so yeah he was he was in ilkley uh, and, and and played this gig um and 
since we were, when we bring it, obviously local historians and people have come and spoken to us. And uh, I, was, I got talking to a, uh, a drum teacher who teaches one of my son's friends drums. Right, yeah. And he was like, uh, did you know that I was a Jimi Hendrix session drummer at that gig? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I didn't know that. <laughs> Why that, did you not amazing. mention that before? Here, have this beer. Uh, <laughs> and um, he said, yeah, that he said that actually they, after the gig, they went back to the hotel and had been locked out whether because there was a curfew or something, they were locked out. <laughs> and so they went and got some fish and chips and he took them on an impromptu tour of Ilkley. And, and he, said, he, 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 said, he said, even to this day, you know, we were sat on this particular bench. I was like, I know that, you know, I know that bench. Sat on this bench with Jimi Hendrix in Ilkley eating, eating fish chips. And chips. <laughs> just, just what an, ex, just an extraordinary image for, uh, for, that's, for me. That's the and, most um, rock and roll image of Jimi Hendrix yeah, available. <laughs> in Ilkley. <laughs> Um, at the Troutbeck, uh, yeah, it's 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 just extraordinary, and it just shows that that something as big as you know, massive, you know, most famous musician yeah. you know, on the on the planet has a little story and a little link to uh, to, to to brewing. In fact, to go off on a sort of tangent, but linked to that, and it's a collaboration thing. Is I was at a beer festival about five or six years ago, and uh, this. Kiwi guy came running over to me. I was wearing an Ilkley Brewery t-shirt. And he's like, you're from Ilkley? No way. I've come over from New Zealand. My grandma's from Ilkley. I was like, oh, it's actually really common. People kind of say, oh, I've got a link to, I've got a this. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm, my name's Stu. I'm from a brewery called Yeasty Boys in, in New Zealand. And oh, I said, yeah. I know Yeasty Boys. I said, just after you got founded, I was in New Zealand, just after I'd been in Australia. And uh, he said, I said, actually, I went to a talk that you did after, just after you'd founded. We, and we met. And he was like, oh, no way. So we were talking and we found out we had you these links. Guy. And I'd met that guy <laughs> about five or six years earlier. Brilliant. And we decided to brew a beer together. We said, well, let's do a collaboration. Yeah. And we called it, uh, we were researching, we were talking about the six degrees of separation that, uh, that, that there is. Yeah. And it turns out that now, since the dawn of uh, social media and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's actually 3.74 degrees. <laughs> And this was a few years ago, so it's probably slightly, it's probably slightly smaller now. Um, so we brewed a beer called yeah. 3.74 Degrees. Love it. Um, and, uh, and, and that was, you know, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of fun. And he's someone, he actually lives over here now. He's brought his family over here and we keep in touch. We, you know, we're, we're good, good friends. And yeah. that's, it's just another kind of example of, of, of the fun in naming a beer, yeah, coming yeah. up with a beer. Beer community. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Excellent. Should we have a, should we have a yeah, taste? Have a go on the, on the, on the Hendrix. Has everybody, Has everybody got one? Excellent. So everybody who's listening, not in this room, should also, uh, I will, in the introduction to this, list the beers that you must acquire to, in order to play along. Uh, any uh, any thoughts initially? Do shout up. Fruity. Any? any what's what are people getting? <laughs> Lemony. <laughs> I was pissed for the uh, uh, for, for the pod there. Pissed on the pod. <laughs> now, one of, one of the things that, you know, we're going to taste a couple of different beers. One of the things that I'll always say is, obviously, I'm talking about Oakley Brewery a bit. I'm here, you know, I, I always want to set, set, sell more beer. But first and foremost, I'm a beer evangelist. I'm, mm. I'm very passionate about beer in general. I was saying, saying to Lucy earlier on, I, I probably drink more of other people's beers than I do, it, do of, our, of our own. But the, the thing that for me, that's really important, especially when tasting beer, is that there's no such thing as right or wrong. There's no such thing as, really, actually, I, I don't think there's such a thing as a good or a bad beer. There's prob- there, are exam- there are examples. Yeah, it's, it's 100%. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a personal taste thing that sometimes you'll like, you know, sometimes you, as a person, like different flavors. Mm. But also within that, 
sometimes you'll be in the mood for something and sometimes you won't be. In the same way I'm sometimes in the mood for a Timmy Taylor, sometimes I'm not. Um, and your taste will change over time. You know, as you experience more and more things, your palate will become better at dealing with those things and appreciate nuances. And so if you start drinking hoppier beers, they'll tend to get hoppier and hoppier and hoppier, which might make it more difficult to go back to something a little blander, yeah. or go back to lager, which has, which has less hops in it. So, and, and one of the really interesting things, I love it when, and I'm hoping that there's a couple of people in the audience and hopefully some listeners on the pod who don't like beer. That's, that's, that's the best thing for me. It's, it's a challenge. It, you know, excellent, fantastic. We've got, a, we've got a hand raised right at the front. And the beauty, no, the beauty oh, of it is... groans there. No, it's great. It's great because, oh, ultimately... We're all friends here. I'm, I'm <laughs> preaching to the inverted otherwise. And, and it, it, the, the interest for me is, is going, okay, well, you know, you, you don't like beer. Just because the mm. beers you've had, you've not liked. doesn't mean you don't like beer in general because it's such a broad category. It's such a broad church that, that, there are, that A, your palate will change and it may well converge with the right beer at some point. Hopefully it will. It won't if the door's always closed, but you put yourself in that opportunity. Um, and what I've found... A lot of people who I know, family, friends, kind of feel obliged to drink beer or drink my beer or, you know, you go out down the pub with some mates and they're like, oh, I did want a pint of lager, but I guess I'll order that. And <laughs> I always say, hey, look, yeah, yeah, I always say, hey, look, order what you want. It, that's fine. You know, if no one's looking, I might have a pint of Bex as well. But, uh, <laughs> but if you do want to try something new, then I'll talk to you about it. Or I, I, you know, I'll suggest stuff. And one of the interesting things that I never really thought would I would see um, is that specialist beers tend to be entry-level beers. So beers that the beer community would go, oh, that's like really out there. It might be a sour or a saison or, you know, kind of wild fermented beer or, 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 a, or quite often stouts, actually. Those are the beers that non-beer drinkers tend to to like a little bit more they're not as bitter so they don't have that you know they're not generally as, as hoppy um if you like cider and wine then a fruity sharp yeah. sour beer is going to match your palate a bit more um and from there you got you, you know once people realize that they often you know we had yeah my mother-in-law i don't like beer try this i gave her a rhubarb saison that we did this saison is a is a is a, a seasonal beer made with uh, with with wild yeast um kind of in a belgian style very, very different to any of the beers we've got here right now. She couldn't believe it was beer. She's like, oh, this doesn't taste like beer. I'm like, well, it doesn't taste beery as you know it, but this is a, this is a beer, and, but it's got really rich, uh, sharp, uh, sharp and slightly earthy flavours to it. She really, really liked it. But because of drinking that, then maybe gave something else a go. And now, not just because of me, but I, I can go into a room <laughs> that she doesn't know I was going to come sure? into, and she's having a beer of her own. And, and it's, it's really... Quick, get it's, the beer out. Luke's coming. Yeah, Luke's, oh, no. It's, it's really encouraging, and, 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 and it's, really, it's really nice to, to see that and to see that development and, be, and to be part yeah. of that. Um, so, yeah, so it's always a challenge. You just haven't found the right beer yet. Maybe one of these will be. Maybe not. I haven't got any um, sours, uh, sours here. Um, what, what do you enjoy drinking? Okay. Any, any recommendations? Well, yeah, I would, I would 100% go for... Um, so what, there's, uh, there's some fantastic uh, sours brewed by North Brewing in Leeds. Um, the court, they, they do a range called the Triple Fruited Goes range. So they always use three, yeah, three different fruits. Um, they're almost a bit like an innocent smoothie. You know, they're thick, <laughs> they're, they're, they're thick juicy, they're bright, vivid colours. Um, I mean, a a Goes is a, is a beer brewed with salt, so it's got a kind of... Um, it's got a kind of salty kick to it, but the fruit is it's 
there's almost nothing not to like about it. That is, you kind of wouldn't think you were drinking a beer. It's it's, it's definitely one one worth trying. We've got a beer coming out um, just just before Christmas that we did as a collaboration again with um, Latitude Wines and Spirits in Leeds. That's actually a barrel aged barley wine, and it's for me it's more like a sherry. So it's uh, so right. You're, you're pull, pulling a face there. Not a sherry drinker. No. That, you know, that's fine as well. But it, I'm not a sherry drinker, and drinking this it made me think of sherry. Made me think maybe I should try a few more sherries. Maybe yeah, I've maybe had a sherry. Maybe changed but, for yeah. Maybe yeah. I've had a sh- just only drunk tea Pepe, and it's not very nice. <laughs> Who knows? Actually, I need to push myself a little bit. Yeah. That. You know, it's just another. Maybe it's another little bit of a journey for me. Brilliant. Gonna give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Converted. Yeah, so this, so, <laughs> Next, so, so this this Hendrix for us, it's it's an American pale ale, and you 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 started speaking about Australia earlier mm-hmm. on being you know you kind of think of it as as commercial lager really, and America's a a, 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 a beer producing country that is often associated with Budweiser with. Cause yeah. with Miller, yeah. you know, with with the, light, with, with the, light lagers, yeah, these massive massive companies making light lagers, but actually the 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 reality is that the craft beer industry in America is light years ahead of anywhere else in the world. Um, certainly, certainly more advanced than than here yeah. in terms of its forward thinkingness and and so on, and also in terms of the market share. About now a quarter of the beer market in America, which is massive. You know, the beer, the beer market yeah. in America is huge in terms of consumption. And a quarter of it now is 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 craft beer. And, and that's just, it's really exciting. I was gonna say, is that, and has that shifted? Because my, um, my limited sort of uh, experience of, of, of American people and drinking with American people is with uh, bands that came over, and I'm talking sort of 15, 15, 16 years ago, came over and they were like, oh, we love coming to England, we love coming to the UK because your beer's so much better than ours, it's so much stronger, it's got much more taste. And has their market developed or are they just looking in the wrong places? Probably a bit of both. Um, I mean, I think, you know, in the last few years that I've been going back and forth to America, I've seen huge amounts of change. I think one of the things there is is scale, is right. that the the the... the craft beer market at least is very much based around the tap room the brewery going to a brewery and yeah. drinking the beer beer out the tap room which there there's just so many more people to try that so you can try more things a bit a little bit easier um and here breweries tend to be on industrial estates tucked around the corner mm-hmm. not most you know they have to travel to before Whereas, it gets to anyone exactly and so so the majority of american craft beer is drunk locally i mean i mean brooklyn if you see brooklyn beer Kind of pretty wide, widely now. It's part of yeah. Carlsberg, of, of course, but it is very widely distributed here. Um, it's still only sold in 14 states in America. Wow! After the 52, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Its, ex- it, it, its exports are bigger yeah, than, yeah. It's, than, 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 it, than it's than it's domestic. And we've actually found we I mean, we actually started trying to sell beer in America, and we, we we stopped because frankly the beer was so good there. Why would people? <laughs> why would Americans pay an extra two dollars premium? Yeah, yeah for imported beer when they could get beer that was really, really good just there. Um, and so we spent a lot of time kind of tracking the American market and, and, and what, what's happening to see what could happen here. Because really the, the, chain, the big changes in the industry here map between three and five years behind America. Right. Um, and wow. so, it's, so, so, so it's a in, really interesting thing to kind of see. Some, I think that's narrowing and it's, it becomes easier to react quicker. And, yeah. so, and of course, there's more breweries here now. And a- Hopefully, um, more collaborations between international yeah. brewery in, in that sense as well. Yeah. That'll bridge the gap. Yeah, right? um, yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. There's still an issue that you know beer doesn't travel so well. 
um, quite often, particularly very hoppy beer, which American craft beer tends to be very, very hoppy. Um, and whilst the beer doesn't go off, the, the hop uh, compounds break down. Um, and so we might taste a beer that's come over and gone, oh, that's really great. The American brewer, if he's ever here, invariably drink, drinks his own beer and is, yeah. Yeah, is absolutely furious because it <laughs> doesn't taste as fresh as it is as yeah, great yeah. As, as, it, as it did before but it's everybody's palate and everybody's own taste they yeah, might like and, that and if that's what people are looking for and don't have the frame of reference yeah. um it's a bit like if you eat you know you eat some vegetables from an allotment they taste very different to those famous mm. vegetables in a supermarket you know you no. go oh is that what carrots taste like oh yeah right, okay oh, my dad loves cheap red wine and knows that it is, you know, inferior to to a Chateau Neuf de Pape or something like that. But he's just like, but I just prefer it. I, I I know I'm, you know, technically wrong, I guess. But my mouth just prefers cheap red yeah, wine. If it's less than seven pounds a bottle, it's not just fiscal. It's his taste. Yeah. So. And there's and and like I said, there, there is there is no right and wrong. You know, I I don't expect everybody to say, oh, I like that. I like all of those beers. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, there's it, it's got to be. It's got to be, you know, different every time, and 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 yeah, it's just about trying to find the find the right right thing. And I think that, you know, my drinking pattern is I always try new things. I always want to see what other people are doing. I want to see, you know, maybe get a new release or something that I might not try be able to try again. Similar sort mm-hmm. of deal. I don't get to go out very much because of the kids, but I always do want to try other things. But I also want to have something to go back to that that I, that I trust. That that's that. that first song yeah. or, or whatever and or that session that session beer and it's one of the things from our brewery is that we we make, might make weird and wonderful beers as well but our core is relatively low abv high in flavor low in abv kind of beers that you can have a second or a third and yeah. you can you can try something new and then come back to that and and, and still it stands it stands up because um, that's the other that's the beauty of living in and brewing in in west yorkshire and in, in yorkshire in general is the, the the brilliance for the c- consumer and the end end user uh, <laughs> to to completely desensitise it um, <laughs> for the drinker is is choice and and so on. But actually, that yeah, of course, that's hard from a business sense for for all of us. But it means it keeps us on our toes. We've got we can't rest on our laurels. Yeah, We've to got to creative. make good beer because Northern Monk are making good beer and Ridgeside are making good beer and North Brewing are making good and Roosters and the list goes on and on. And they're all making good beer, so we can't just go. Well, Mary Jane's won lots of awards, so we, that's us sorted. <laughs> we'll sit back, thanks. Can't do it. We've got to make yeah. sure that we're reacting, that we're making it more consistent than ever. That you know, constantly, constantly innovating and changing how we do stuff, because and because you have to, and that is only good for the drinker because it more, just increases the quality. Yeah. Brilliant. Let's move on to the next one. So, what have we got? So, the next beer is 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 a stout. So, uh, so. Quite often, you know, we might finish with something big, dark, and heavy, um, but uh, but I don't want to do that. I don't like uh, just just doing the norm. So we've got a we've got a stout here. This is um, called Hanging Stone Stout. Um, it's named after some rocks on Ilkley-Moor. Um, uh, some yeah, some some local rocks, um, and it's an oatmeal stout. So one of the things about this, I'm not, and, and I I'm not going to say, oh, you're going to get cherry blossom and molasses and, and, and I'm not going to tell you what you're going to taste um, but one of, the, one of the reasons we've brewed this as an oatmeal stout is, is for texture and mouthfeel so yeah. ultimately the brewing process we've got unless we're adding in a fruit or something we've got four ingredients um, but the variety that we can, of what we can do with those four ingredients in terms of texture and taste does the beer last a long time in your mouth does it, is it, is it 
Does it change over time? Mm-hmm. All of those complexities are done with just natural ingredients, whereas a big corporate lager maker will add some head retention chemical compound <laughs> to make it have a nice European yeah. head. We would add torrefied wheat because it does the same thing. It's more expensive to do that. Um, but it's got it no chemical flavor. Well, well it, it, it affects, it, there's no chemicals, and that's a good thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly a good thing the next day. Um, but for us, using oatmeal in, in, and oats in a, in a beer, it kind of gives it a kind of more soft, silky kind of feel to it that, that you wouldn't get otherwise just from, from, from your normal kind of stouty stoutness. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that is the best way of describing the beer style, isn't it? Um, and, and so, yes, that's why we, why we brew this as, a, as an oatmeal stout rather than just a stout stout. Excellent. So, in terms of in terms of branding for this, it's very dark, as is the beer. Yep. It's, uh, it stands out. What's the what kind of what kind of thought goes into these into into the labelling? Well, so so when we we've had we've had kind of two major rebrands really. One where where we um, moved away from the kind of cow and calf kind of thing and started changing the names, and that really added the story into the beers, the Joshua James, the names, mm-hmm. and every label or, or, or bottle had a little picture of it's linked into the particular name which was really a nice detail to do it was really exciting and yeah. creative as we started bring more and more beers this became more and more challenging um we've we've been going for 10 years now we've brewed over well, it was 186 at the start of the year so we're probably on about 200 different different beers like 200 unique yeah, characters yeah. Is, 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 is challenging. It also takes quite a lot of time to come up with that sort of mm-hmm. branding and so on. So um, that, that, that became, became a bit of an issue. Um, and, and it was a good, it's still a good story to tell. But as we were growing um, and started exporting and so on, we, we, we had another kind of moment where we looked at ourselves and said, okay, well, are our designs all too disparate? Do, do they connect to, to, to each other? Is there is the too much? Is we were having people look, come into events and so on and saying, which different breweries do you represent them? Because they uh, saw yeah, 10 yeah. different designs. And we'd only ever seen them in isolation. You look at a computer screen and there's a design and you think, that we've nailed it. That's the one. But when you look at them all together, which we often don't mm. ourselves, because that, cause, cause we're making them and they're going out to different places, but then you go, actually, there, there isn't that thing. You know, unless you knew the branding from across the room, you wouldn't know, you couldn't read anything. So we decided to... Go and and also, we were looking in the supermarkets. And my my office wall is almost like a, a wall of shame, to, <laughs> if people could call it. But it, but it's a wall of branding. And and uh, I I buy a bottle or a can and I keep it. Um, that kind of student kind of sense, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And I've got a, literally the whole wall in my office is is just is stacked up cans. Nothing amuses any of my colleagues more than if I knock into one and a whole load of them come falling down. <laughs> Um, that's but, a less productive day there <laughs> yeah yeah 100 but but what we wanted to do is say okay well here are our competitors here are the things why would someone reach choose our beer why would they know it's it's our beer why would they reach for it and see a consistency yeah. of, of branding through it and and you couldn't with a lot of those no, those those really beautiful i think uh beers and designs that are out there it was very potentially off-putting and really for the for the mass market i think didn't for me didn't, I didn't think had the appeal um, whereas the mass market and as we want to grow the business I want everybody to know Oakley Brewery I want everyone to know our beers everyone to know recognize, Mary Jane recognize the logo and on if we're going to do that I felt that we needed to have 
a, a, a recognizability mm -hmm. that from across the room you could see Ilkley that put it front uh, yeah. first and foremost. And but we always used bright colours, and so having a we, we kept a banner running through the middle. We kept the colours at the background. The the little brewery on top that I'm, I'm wearing, and, and you can see the top of the label. That's a, taken from an old photograph of the original Ilkley Brewery in the 1800s. Um, uh, so so we've kind of kept that heritage, that history, and some of our branding that that's run through, but it's been an evolution of, mm. of, of branding to something that you can see from across the room and know that, oh, it's a different colour, but it's yeah. Ilkley. That silhouette of the brewery is, yeah. is going to stand out. That's great. And I, yeah, I love the Run DMC style, style T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was uh, actually, I saw, I saw this. It, was, it would have been probably a couple of years ago in the last election, uh, and I saw a Corbyn T-shirt that was done in the Run DMC <laughs> thing, and I was like, Ilkley's got six letters. I'm, I'm doing that. Um, nice. Yeah, please. Excellent. So, what's next? We've got a bit of a departure on this yes. next one. So yeah, so I, you probably might still have some beer, bit beer in there, and th this beer is again, it's a non-beery beer in, in the sense that it's you know that it's a dark beer. It's not hoppy. Um, stouts get their bitterness from the malts rather than from the hops. Um, but this next one is a well, it's a hoppy hoppy pale ale. I'm gonna. Let's throw it out there and see what people think okay. of this one before yeah, yeah. we before we, before we kind of talk about what it is and 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 what makes it different. Absolutely. So yeah, in in terms of what's what stands out for me, I'm with all of these. Flavor is massive, and you mentioned it earlier that going from discovering sort of hoppy beers um, and moving away from lager makes it harder to go back to lager. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, through through my university days, pound a pint would often consider it would consist of uh, of Carlsberg, Fosters, and such. Um, and I, I genuinely feel bad because I can't drink them at, at all. I even struggle with Budweiser. Um, I, you know, it has to be more of a European lager if mm. I'm going to drink anything. Um, otherwise, I'm looking at craft beers that kind of bridge that lager beer gap. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of these they've all got a, a, a really unique and uh, rich taste i think yeah and i mean i remember very clearly coming back from australia actually i was really looking forward to going back to one of my old bars and having a particular beer that had a memory for me it was a it was a lager called beer lao which is ironically from you know from the from the southeast asia mm -hmm. but i that beer was the beer i'd always drunk the lager i always drunk before i went away and i was really looking forward to going back to a place i knew and drinking that beer and I hadn't really factored in the fact that for the last year or so, I'd been working in a brewery drinking really hoppy IPAs. Yeah. And so I came back and I saw my friends. And I was like, oh, I'll have a beer now. This is going to be great. I was like, oh. It was such a letdown for me because it just <laughs> didn't taste of anything at all. Yeah. And it kind of really, the really, it really knocked me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I used to really like this beer. And I don't. But then that's where you kind of the mm -hmm. awareness and realisation that, oh, it's, it's, it, you know, it's an evolution, isn't it? So this is... Uh, well, has anyone got anything that they, you know, that they take for, get get from this beer that they want to share with the the pod? I think it tastes like cold tea. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is um yeah. for that that this is from the non 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 cold non tea. Beer, okay. Yeah. Tea is a fantastic thing to brew with. Yeah. yeah. That that's great. <laughs> tea is a fantastic thing to brew with because it's got that kind of more kind of quite floral notes um, to it, and I think that I certainly get yeah. some some floral floral thing from from this beer. Yeah, you don't. yeah. There we go. Elder flower. Well, ultimately, I mean, the people often kind of say with certainly with pale ales and hoppy beers, they kind of get maybe sometimes citrus flavours and oh, you know, a bit of lychee or a bit of, bit you know, a bit of fruit and things. And 
it's not, and it's the same people say the same sort of thing for wine. It's not weird. It's not um, some, you know, it's not your mind playing tricks with you. It's not necessarily fruit being added to it either. Well, it's not. But to get some of the science that excited me, that ultimately the DNA, excuse me, of of plants and fruit and 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 food is very similar in the same way we're not very you know far, far you know far far leaps from chimpanzees or other animals it's it's similar in the plant world as well and so a peach tastes like a peach because it's got slightly more of a particular compound mm-hmm. than a pineapple which has got slightly more of a different compound hops have those same compounds they you know they, yeah. they all share all plants share those same compounds and some hops will have ever so slightly more of the same compound that a peach has got than a different hop in the same way a cab sav grape tastes different uh, grown in Australia tastes different to a cab sav that's grown in South Africa because of the terroir, you know, the complexities of that. Hops are exactly the same. They take on the characteristics of where they're grown and so, mm-hmm. and, and then how you brew with them as well. So you're going to get those complexities in beer and you're going to get tea, herbal, floral, elderflower, fr- fruity types of things. The thing that I like most about this beer is that it's alcohol free. So, <laughs> so that's so that's good. And, and one of the reasons I didn't say yep. what it was before, beforehand is that is that so, is that there's a stigma attached to alcohol-free. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't taste of anything. That um, I don't drink it because I like drinking beer because it's proper. You know, the, 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 there's all of those types of things that are attached to alcohol-free beer. But and it used to not taste very nice. Yeah. Generally, it was. So no, this is no the nice. Virgin Mary. Yeah. So this is taking our Mary Jane and uh, and and brewed an alcohol-free version of it, uh, Virgin Mary. And we wanted to make something that people would drink yeah. regardless of, of its strength. Um, and also because you were saying about the, the, the market changing, the, the, the way people drink. One in four millennials don't drink. Like, it's a staggering number. It's a terrifying number for somebody who produces drink uh, for, for a living, who's, who's you know, <laughs> feeds my children based on... Uh, based Not the on, alcohol, based he doesn't on, feed them the alcohol. On, well, my, yeah, my, 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 my middle son said, oh, is this a beer that I'm allowed to drink now? So, oh, I don't, it doesn't quite work like that. But, it, but it's something that the way people are drinking and, and consuming is, is changing. We have to be not just okay with that, we have to be part of that. Um, and, and it is great because it means there's more choice. People are seeing mm. now that there are really tasty alcohol-free products, not just beers, out there. And people can still go out and enjoy themselves without having to get drunk. And it's really nice to see the UK catching up with cafe culture and that kind of thing, that it's not just about consuming as much alcohol as possible. Yeah. And that you, it is possible to have an alcohol-free drink and go, well, that's quite nice. I yeah, like we were saying beforehand, I remember accidentally buying some alcohol-free beer probably about 15 years ago, and it was horrendous and scarred me pretty much for life. Um, so it was great to see that um, the other, you know, other breweries as well, there's a whole range of alcohol-free or, or low-alcohol beers. Um, as I mentioned before, the Nanny State uh, from BrewDog is, is great and sort of still tastes like BrewDog. Yeah. Where, as this still tastes like an Ilkley Brewery beer, it's you've still got the the Mary Jane taste to it. Oh, they've, um, they've heard that I gave uh, my son some beer and uh, to get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're on but it's yeah, it's that this is a really light kind of crisp. It's mm. almost like a summery summery beer, which is uh, yeah, great to know that you know I can still have the flavour that I'm looking for from beer and still be responsible and look after my kids. That's, which is that is ideal. That's, that's how I that's how that's, I drink it. Yeah, yeah. You can come home from work and still have to do bath time, bedtime, yeah, yeah. read a story without falling asleep yourself, 
and have a beer after work. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I can do that. Or if you need, obviously, if you need to drive somewhere, it's, it's better yep. for that. But most of the thing is, is that, and I, I was saying to you, is, is that there's a lot of stigma attached to beer, a lot of stereotypes attached to beer. There's actually quite an unhealthy stigma attached to not drinking. For, you know, people who, you know, people who don't drink or aren't drinking, why well, aren't you drinking? It's quite a common thing, you know, it could be because they're pregnant or and they don't want to tell anyone, so that's awkward, so maybe they don't go out because they don't want to be asked that question or because there's a medical condition they don't really want to talk about or there's mm. so many reasons people don't drink. But you always get asked that. If you're the one non-drinker in the room, oh, well, you're not drinking, what's that about? And you don't get asked that. And that's what, it's been the unexpected thing that I've, I've, I've been told by, by my friends or, or people drinking it. They go, people leave you alone if you've got a bottle of beer in your hand. And I get, to, I get to go out and <laughs> drink beer and people don't question why I'm not drinking. And the, the benefit is, and it tastes nice. That's like, that's a win-win. Um, so that's been quite a nice un, unintended consequence, mm. I think, of, of, that I hadn't kind of really realised before we did it. We wanted to brew an alcohol-free beer for a long time and actually, frankly, didn't think we would be able to. Our kit was aimed at brewing ale um, and... Some of the kind of pioneers of, of, and, uh, of, of more recently of, of really high flavor alcohol-free beers have got loads of really expensive kit. They vacuum the alcohol out, they brew it normally, and then vacuum the alcohol out, uh, for example. And so I just kind of thought, well, we can't do that at our size, our scale. And when we hired, you mentioned Nanny State, we hired mm -hmm. a Brewdog Brewer as our head brewer um, a year or so ago. And in her interview, we were talking about ideas to, that she would, develop or she could develop and one of the things she said was oh if, if you'd let me I'd be quite keen to do an alcohol free beer I was like, yes <laughs> but we can't <laughs> how much money do you need and she said oh no I could brew it on this kit and so we started developing I'm it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was fantastic and so it's taken yeah best part of this year we've just literally just launched it but I see it really as we go on being a big part of our brand yeah, yeah. Um, and we've actually I don't know whether we'll drink it we'll have time to drink no. the next one we might move on to the final one but if anyone wants to try it, we've got a low alcohol beer as well, only 1.2% um, that we've brewed to kind of cater for that, that growing market ultimately. And if it does yeah. work, look out for an alcohol-free stout and you know, other, stars, other stars of beer as well. Because it's, it's, it's actually another fun thing to try and do. Try, yeah, it's another thing challenge. to play with. Yeah, definitely a, definitely a challenge. Because ultimately, the lower the alcohol, the less flavor um potentially that you've you've got to play with mm -hmm. but also the less stable the beer is as well so the the the, the you know you're, you're kind of yeah you're you're ever closer to disaster yeah um, so when, gotta, when you're trying to make a beer up like for this. it in other areas yeah yeah totally and um and so yeah it's definitely a very challenging thing thing to do and to, to do well great well I'm, yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to to more options on the the low alcohol end and the others, but certainly the low alcohol for, for those summer evenings with kids. Yes. That'll be awesome. So we'll, we will have to skip one, but do come and have a sample um, afterwards. But we'll move on to the, the final one, which is looking very festive uh, and seasonally appropriate. Absolutely. So we have here, this is the uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Peace beer with you. <laughs> My wife gets very angry whenever I say that, as if I uh, came up with it. She actually, uh, she first said, "Peace be with you," and I instantly wrote it down and put it on the put it on the bottle label. Um, so yeah, she gets really mad whenever she I get any try credit and claim for that? Uh, Oh, none no. at all. And um, yeah, she, she she gets proper mad about it. Brilliant. So so for me, my experience of Christmas beers generally is really rich, treacly, heavy, mm. kind of pudding puddings of of beers. Yeah, and 
we wanted to make something that was more accessible and easier to drink, and, but was still Christmassy. Yeah, still, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 still got it. it's definitely got that Christmas taste to it. First time, I, uh, first time we brewed this, uh, I went down to, the, to Leeds Kirkgate Market to buy all the ingredients for it. So I, said, I went to the store and I said, right, I'm looking for dr- dried fruit, some raisins, uh, cloves, garlic, <laughs> uh, not garlic, cinnamon. Garlic. garlic. <laughs> I was looking for yeah, all, all these kind of Christmassy cup things. And uh, the woman in the store was like, uh, was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, how much do you want? I was like, right, six kilos of that, four kilos of that, 200 oranges. It's and, the biggest uh, Christmas pudding in the world. And, and what she, she, I, I won't repeat the exact language she used, but she was like, how big is your cake? And uh, I was like, oh, it's, it's going to be pretty big. And they had to go and get a trolley and wheel it all out and we had to take it off to the car. The impression um, was uncanny. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, just like that, just a little coarser. Um, but but yeah, it's it's a, it's another example of having fun with brewing. He's, he's, mm. he's throwing a load of stuff in, uh, and 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 seeing what happens to a certain extent. Certainly back when we first brewed it, it was very much a case of see what happens. Yeah. Now with our head brewer and our technical brewing team, it's a little bit more of a you know what's gonna ha- what should happen at least um, mm. um, when you're combining flavors. But there's still a lot of skill in, in in getting the palate right. But but yeah, it's it's just showing that it doesn't just have to be taste of one thing you can get other tastes taste in absolutely there. this is uh, yeah this i've not tasted this before i didn't even know it existed um it, initially smelling it i was thinking this is this is going to be a bit rich is this going to be a bit much but it's actually a lot more subtle than i was expecting mm. um because the, the danger i think i mean the, the uh, bottle is bigger than the others i was thinking can you drink a whole bottle of this i think you could it's it's subtle enough but it's still got that festive feel and like a lot of like a lot of our beers is obviously these are all bottles um, for drinking now, but on on cask they taste very different. They feel very mm. different. The mouth feels incredibly different. Um, so they're a lot softer. So they're not they're not uh, forced carbonated. So they have that kind of softness to them. Um, and so this on this on on cask is an absolute joy around this time of year. Um, you know, so yeah, sat next to a fire with a pint <laughs> of that. Four point seven. Is this is uh, is the percentage on this? And again, because mm. a lot of Christmas beers are their stouts and they're richer and they've got a bit of whatever in them, and they're generally a lot stronger. Um, and so you have, they're, they're a bit more decadent. And so you kind of have you know they're a dessert beer. You maybe have mm. a, half, a half, or you have yes. you know, you, know you, ha- you have one certainly. And we want to have something that you could sit and feel Christmassy all day. I'm looking forward. <laughs> I, I, I nearly I nearly wore it today, but decided it's too soon for a Christmas jumper. I'm yeah, right it's too it. soon. It's, it's, too it's soon, definitely yeah. too soon. It's not December. Because for me, I've been selling this since <laughs> August. We we uh, we've we've been you know we 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 start selling the Christmas beer to the supermarkets and so on in, in about August time. So I've been feeling Christmassy since about since, since the end of the summer, um, and certainly the last few weeks has been very Christmassy at the brewery. But um yeah I'm I'm, keep, I'm getting held back. I'm not allowed to wear yeah. allowed to wear my Christmas jumper just yet. Brilliant. Well, before we wrap up, just one last question. So is there anything you can share that, that's coming up? Anything exciting? Any collaborations that you can tell us about? Well, I, I mentioned Northern Monk. We're, it's, it's our 10th birthday this year, Milk um, Brewery's 10th birthday. So we've been running a, a project called the 10 Hail Marys. Um, so <laughs> 10 versions, 10 iterations of our Mary Jane, um, all as collaborations with different people. So we've done uh, a brew. A, beer with Five Points Brewery from London called Mary Hoppins. Mm-hmm. We've done a beer with some Scottish brewers, Williams Brothers and Harveston, called Mary Queen of Hops. Um, we've even brewed with some Italian friends of ours, uh, Ave Maria. Um, you see where we, you know, you, you see the inspiration from this. So, uh, so, so Northern Monk have a series called 
death by and they've got some these really dark decadent uh, strong stouts that they that they brew with people so death by mary coming right up um that'll be uh, Next, when can yeah, we expect that yeah. that'll really be early early in the new year we're also brewing with them um, with a uh, a german brewer called uh, brlo from berlin um so that's gonna be quite exciting we're looking forward to that um yeah, so so we're going to continue doing these these collaborations, you know, in, in, into the new year. My aim is to finish off uh, around uh, yeah, middle way through next year with with a with a with the mother of all Marys. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here, you heard it here first, but and, and I wanted that to be a Yorkshire one. So we've generally been collaborating with these with, yeah. with our fr- friends and heroes from around the world and, and different areas in England. But I just thought actually, well, most of our friends are right here in Yorkshire. So yeah. let's get rather than just doing a collaboration with one brewery, let's get. 20 of our friends in and we'll Amazing. just brew a, a big strong probably big big beer together it'll just be a lot of fun yeah. um and we're also doing some char- a charity collaboration um in march march next year it, there's world water day is in march every year and there's a brewery called Brugada who make uh, their, their, their main beer is called clean water lager right um, oh yeah i've seen so, clean water so, lager yeah. yeah so um so they all the profits from their company go to to water projects in yeah. Malawi, and they've asked us to get in, help help be, be involved as one of the brewers in a project called Global Gathering. To get they want to get five hundred brewers making five hundred different charity beers. Nice um, for World Water that's, Day. That's a great project. Um, and 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 well, that would you know raise a quarter of a million pounds, which would be which would be incredible. So yeah, we're looking forward to to getting involved in that and maybe throw in like a Yorkshire water party or something and do you know do <laughs> do some sort of thing like that and uh and, and i believe and, there's a company that could get involved with that with a well, similar well, name we're right next to a, we're right next to a, a yorkshire water uh, plant actually so um so yeah maybe we'll, we'll get get them involved as well which would be great but yeah so that's something that we'll be, be looking at the early start start next year and uh yeah, that's good. it's going to keep us busy at least. Amazing. Sounds good. Uh, thank you very much for bringing these beers along. Um, thank you very much, guys, for coming along. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> there you go. That was episode 33 with Luke Raven of the Ilkley Brewery. Now, as mentioned in the intro, it was recorded at the Podcast Social Club in Thirsk, which was a fantastic festival of podcasts. Um, all sorts of people came and got involved. Um Robin Ince was there, Mark Simmons was there, um, the Killer Rabbit podcast uh, was was brilliant. Um, so yeah, do check that out. Um, hopefully it'll be back next year and I'd love to be involved again. Um, with regards to Ilkley Brewery, as I mentioned, if you're in the vicinity of Ilkley on the 6th of December, then get over to the Ilkley Brewery for the Winter Social. Take the brewery tour and taste a selection of their beers, obviously responsibly. Um, they're all delicious, so have mini samples um, if you want, if you want to taste all of them, because 20 is a lot of beers. Ticket links are on the brewery site, as I said, ilkleybrewery.co.uk. Um, And you can find out more about the brewery and the people behind it there as well. Um, Yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day and good night.